You're listening to a Wheels on the Ground production. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Come As You Are. Come As You Are is Canada's only worker-owned co-op sex shop. Trans-owned and operated, Come As You Are carefully reviews and curates their selection of sex toys, books, and DVDs. Now you can get 15% off your next purchase at comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by Clonawilly.com. Clonawilly and Clonopussy are do-it-yourself molding kits that allow anyone to make an exact replica of any penis or vulva into a sex toy at home. All materials are ethically sourced and 100% body safe. If you shop at Clonawilly.com right now and use the promo code DARKPOD at checkout, you can get 20% off site-wide. Wow! That's a deal that cannot be cloned. I talked to one of the representatives the other day, and they are more than willing to answer any questions you have about how to make your own clone willy or clone pussy, how to use the kit. They're so, so willing to go on this journey of cloning a willy or cloning a pussy with you, and they're super nice and super responsive to any concerns. So if you want to pick up your own clone willy or clone a pussy kit right now, head over to clonawilly.com and use promo code DARKPOD, that's D-A-R-K-P-O-D at checkout right now. And remember, this is a deal that cannot be cloned. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. This is a podcast that looks at disability stories. It's like sitting down with a really close friend to have a real conversation about disability, sexuality, and everything else about the disability experience that we don't talk about. The things about being disabled, we keep in the dark. Here is your deliciously disabled host, disability awareness consultant, Andrew Gerza. Hello, hello, friends. Welcome to the show, friends. And thank you so much for clicking on the brand new episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast shining a bright light on disability stories. I'm your delectably disabled host, Daddy Andrew Gerza. Let's get comfy, cozy, and crippled and get this show started, shall we? A couple of housekeeping notes today. First things first, if you want to support the program and get a weird, awkward, sexy shout-out for me, as well as getting the show completely ad-free and one day early, you can go to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark and pledge as little as $1 a month or $5 a month or more monthly, or you can also do a yearly amount if that works for your budget. I would really appreciate any monetary pledge you can make. It keeps the show like this that I produce fully alone here in my bedroom keeps this show going. And so I want to thank you all, those of you who have pledged, even the ones who had to stop pledging at some point. I still thank you for your for putting this show first and for giving this show a chance to grow and be different things and thank you thank you so if you want to do that and get a weird shutter from me in the show a day early completely ad free go to patreon.com slash disability after dark another thing that i would love to ask you beautiful listeners to do for me is if you could please go to your podcast app and leave us a review for the show preferably five stars but I will accept four if you must. But tell me why the show is important to you. Why do you listen? I see the stats every week. We get about anywhere from like 4,000 downloads a week, which is pretty cool. I want to know what this show means to you. Why is the show important? Why do you keep tuning in every week? Why do you write me Instagram posts that are like, you love the show? Tell me why, and tell me why in a review. It would mean so much to me, and it would help other new listeners get a chance to listen to the show. As we have morphed and changed and grown into 
kind of the Andrew Gerzo Podcast Hour, which is a name that I've been toying with for the show. Disability After Dark, I love it, but I also love the idea of, like, the Andrew Gerzo Podcast Experiment is something I'm toying with, maybe, for the show. I don't know. I want to keep doing this, but I want to grow and evolve with what I'm doing. And so I'm thinking about different names for the show. If you have a different idea for a name for the show, let me know, too. That'd be great. Let me know. You can email us at disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com. Let me know what you think about a new name and what you, and what direction you would like to see the show go in. Another little bit of housekeeping. We have... Uh, we have... A, a t-shirt. We have a t-shirt. Let me try words again. We have a wonderful people at T Public have made merch for this show. So go to the link in the show notes and click on the link there where it says get your merch and you can get Disability After Dark merch sometimes at a discount. They have discounts all the time. So please go over there, pick up a t-shirt, pick up a sweater, pick up a hoodie, whatever, a pillow, whatever works for you and get yourself some Disability After Dark merch so you can shine a bright light on disability stories every day through the clothes you wear. So yeah, think about that too. But now, for real, no more ads, let's get to the show. I recorded this episode back in May and I just listened back to it and I fell in love with this guest all over again just from listening back to it before putting it into the recording here and I just think that they are fantastic and I cannot wait for you to meet them. They they, they became a guest because they saw my call on social media. <coughs> Let's try again. They became a guest because they saw my call on social media for guests and I just from the minute we pressed record I fell in love with this person I want to introduce you today to my guest George Parker they are an author an editor a writer and a poet and they are one of my new friends that I'm just over the moon with with joy to bring to you and we had such a fun interview together it was one of my most favorite when we recorded this. I just couldn't get enough of them. We had such a good time. Um, so George is a writer, poet, and editor. They are the author of a new book that came out called Twisted Roots. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, we don't talk about their book in this episode because it hadn't come out yet, but we talk about their experience with multiple disabilities, what it's like to date with multiple invisible and visible disabilities, the sheer fucking chaos of disability. We talk about our links, both of us, to our theyness and disability. I get Zoom bombed halfway through our recording. Um, but sitting down with them and listening to the episode, I fell just in love with George so much and I cannot wait for you to meet them. Because they are someone that you will fall in love with too. As we explore disability together. As we explore queerness together. I love being able to sit down with people on the show. And just have frank, real chats about disability. And real chats about the experience. One of the first things that George s says when they get on the, the podcast. I say, hey, how are you? And they say, well, I don't have to pretend like I'm talking to a non-disabled person. So I'll say that I'm fucking in pain and we just started right from then I was like we need to be best friends so I fell in love with George Parker and I hope you do too this is a fantastic interview and I'm excited to bring it to you get excited for my interview with writer editor poet and awesome they them non-binary friend George Parker right here on a brand new episode of Disability After Dark George Parker, hello. Hi. Hi, such a pleasure to have you on Disability After Dark. How are you today? 
I am, uh, oh, I don't have to answer like I would answer a, a, a non-disabled person. Um, I'm really struggling with fatigue and pain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> well, I, I'm also struggling with the same things. <laughs> Chronic pain is fun. IBS is a real trip. It's great. <laughs> super fun, super fun. Um, and I am really excited to have you here because we both discovered off the recording that we're both non-binary so so cool right that's cool you use they them i use they he it's amazing um and i love talking to other non-binary disabled folks because there are so many of us out there who are just you know exploring this whole gender fluid genderless thing and we're just you know doing our thing and we're just trying to find out who we are and i love that so cool super cool it's definitely it's definitely amazing and it's so lovely to have like someone who's more um high profile like you come out as non-binary oh no come on me (laughs) me high profile i'm just a dork in my house who happens to have a who happens to have a microphone and wants to say things about stuff so (laughs) i don't i never people always say that i'm high profile and i always feel so weird because i'm like what do you mean i spent the last year in my house not going anywhere doing anything so (laughs) High profile while being low profile inside. It's yeah, it's good. I'm high. I'm high key, low profile. <laughs> Nailed it. Exactly. That's kind of my jam. Um, but hello, can you do us a favor and introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Why, hello, audience. Uh, I am. I'm George. I'm George Parker. Um, I write. I'm a poet. And I am also a workshop facilitator um, and I'm disabled and non-binary. Um, so I've got Ella Zandlos and POTS and Emmy and then a bunch of comorbidities, which are really fun. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like full-time disabled and then kind of like on top of that, writing and, and poetry and workshops. And so my next question was going to be, what are your disabilities and how do they impact your life? So, <laughs> So like, well, that's good. But like, but, but, you know, you mentioned Emmy, you mentioned POTS, you mentioned EDS. Yes. Um, what, how do those disabilities impact your day to day? Um, so, I mean, it, it varies. They're, they're all pretty um, dynamic disabilities, which I think a lot of people don't get. So, you know, wrapping the uh, dynamic disabilities here. Woo. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like- <laughs> Generally, like I dislocate every day. Um, I have to pace. So um, big, big fan of Spoonie theory. Um, and um, yeah, like the horrendous fatigue is, is definitely something that's debilitating. And it's not just being like tired. It's like so tired. You can't think straight or do anything or like even function at all. Um, and then the POTS is just um, trying not to pass out most of the time, to be, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I know some guests. Some, some guests of mine have had pots, and you know they say the same thing. It's just like trying so hard not to like <laughs> not to stand up too fast, not to move too fast. Like just be really careful. Yeah. Um. And how? Like in what other ways? Like other than just like the physical symptoms of disability and the physical manifestation of that. How does how do all those things affect your like sense of self? Your sense of you are your sense of like joy what what about that we're going in easy um (laughs) um, yeah my it really affected my sense of self for sure I was a I was a climbing and sailing and kayaking instructor um and and (laughs) and then like I got super disabled so I suddenly had to like recalibrate what I wanted out of life who I was fundamentally as a person and then like I still kind of grapple with like um uh, not being able to do the things that I want to do um but yeah even like putting the really physical stuff out of out of the way like I get so frustrated and um I'm, I'm it's a constant battle of like disabled people are cool and awesome and sexy and fuck I hate being disabled it's it's so shit <laughs> yeah I said that on my I said that on my Instagram the other day I put a post that was like you know being disabled is like Loving your disability and being super proud of being disabled, and then simultaneously wishing that you weren't. <laughs> I got a lot of praise about that one, but I also got one comment that I can that I can't stop thinking about. Somebody was like, "Well, I love being disabled, and how dare you?" And I was like, 
okay, let's take a let's take a step back. Yeah, I mean, we've we've all got like it's a it's a very um, individual experience and unique experience that we we go through, and I think some people get very like sensitive about oh we we have to like always be really happy being disabled, and and that's such a big ask. Yeah, it's I mean, and, and being happy being disabled doesn't mean you don't have days where you're like. I fucking hate this. <laughs> I want this to stop. Please yeah. stop. Please make this not happen to me right now. And like, it's so hard because then if you come into like a disability space and you mention that you're not happy with it, the like disability social justice warriors will <laughs> tell you that they don't agree with that. I, I feel so strange about just the way our communities need to come together and need to realize that like, hey, different experiences are okay. Like yeah. it's okay that we have a number of people with disabilities saying that we both love our disabilities and we also fucking hate our disabilities. Like this is not a bad place to be. Definitely, I completely agree with you. And I think it's really healthy to have that attitude rather than just like, you must accept everything all the time because that's like, it's toxic positivity in so many ways. Yeah, and I mean, you can get to a place where you accept stuff because I do, feel like with my IBS and with my other disabilities like I just have to be happy so that I stay okay like and sometimes you have to get to that place and I have to I work to get there but like my social media is my place where I can be like I'm gonna feel how I feel and I'm gonna write it down I'm gonna put it somewhere because so when I see comments of people disagreeing with me I'm like wow it's really weird that you took so much time to tell me how wrong you think I am thank you though like it's <laughs> Your attitude is so good. And like, if you didn't post your stuff on social media, so many of us would be feeling the way you feel and not know that other people feel the same way too. So. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I do it on social. My my I, my social media is kind of a weird like journal for me to be like, I feel like this today. Here are my thoughts, and then you know, I don't ever. I I try not to look at the comments because I'm like, I don't. I don't want to read stuff. I just want to put my thoughts out there and run away from the internet. Yeah. The internet is a, is a scary place. Um, but so we talked about how your disabilities impact your joy and impact like your happiness and like, and how sometimes being disabled is a fucking slog. <laughs> what are the other parts of like your multiple disabilities that make you, let's go the other way. What are some of the dark things of your disability that you want to, Oh my god! Oh my god! I think um, uh, the the fucking the sheer fucking chaos, <laughs> the sheer fucking chaos. Like you're like, oh, it's a really nice day. I I want to like you know sit in the garden. Something like really basic. Like I just want to sit in the garden. And then you're like, your your body kind of goes like, oh, okay. Well, so first of all, I'm gonna like dislocate in three different places. And you're like, fine, <laughs> okay. I will, I will take time strapping myself up. I will put my sling on. That's great. And then your body's like, okay, but now we're going to shit ourselves. <laughs> and then you're like, oh yeah, I know that game super well. Yeah. Like why? Just why? Um, and then on top of that, it could be like a migraine or you get too hot and you pass out. And it's just all these things where you, you have, you can have as many plans and desires as you want. And I think, I don't know if they have the same kind of like system there, but here they send you to um, like CBT therapy, like group therapy when you have a disability and oh, so they, they you, send you wait they make you go what i don't i didn't know that <laughs> they don't force you to go but they're like hey there's this thing it's like eight weeks long and you meet with a, a bunch of other disabled people and you learn to manage your expectations so every week you sit in a circle and they're like so this is what you want to do with your life and you need to just reduce it um to to the point where you can barely see your goals anymore and then you need to be okay with it and you're like fuck that's bleak <laughs> wait so is it helpful that they basically tell you that your goals are not worth doing like what is <laughs> it's it's really not helpful but the, the cool thing was that i met so many awesome people through it so like i'm still friends with a lot of disabled people that i met there so now we all kind of like meet up and we talk about stuff and yeah it's it's healthy <laughs> and and when did you get diagnosed with all this stuff when because you said earlier you were you were a sailing person you did all this stuff right sailing yeah, yeah, so, yeah, sailing and uh, teaching powerboating on the Thames. So like, um, it was it was so awesome. Oh, wow, you taught powerboating on the Thames. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, I was on. I was. I I saw the Thames when I was in London for a hot <laughs> second, and it was. I loved it. That's where the the Tower of London is, right? Like right there. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. 
so I had this like I had this perfect life um and I had this idea of what I was going to do I was going to like open my own sailing center or like travel the world working on boats and stuff um the only trouble was I was like oh, I'm experiencing a lot of pain and my body is kind of doing things that it shouldn't do and other people's bodies don't seem to be really doing it um but what I didn't realize is that actually I've been experiencing this pain and fatigue since I was I was really really young and I just kind of thought um I'm, I'm being a pussy <laughs> I'm being a pussy and I need to push harder and so I was like taking a lot of painkillers and like downing huge amounts of caffeine just to try and get through my day and then I just kept ending up in hospital with like dislocations and and stuff so. and you know I can imagine when you were younger you might have thought oh it's growing pains this is what <sighs> people go through when they grow up like this because yeah. you know I remember having growth spurts and it hurts and it's painful and like <laughs> So you, you might've thought this is what it is, um, yeah. but I can imagine like, what was the day of diagnosis for you? Like, cause I know the stories of people getting diagnosed, people are either really happy or they're really sad or it's all a mix of emotions. What was that like for you? Um, so I, <laughs> shamefully, I don't remember my day of diagnosis, but I remember the years um, like preceding it. So it took me I'm gonna say maybe like 16 years to get diagnosed and I think in the meantime I got diagnosed with like anxiety fibromyalgia and like you know like other things that that weren't actually it um yeah and I think it's an average of 19 years for someone to get a diagnosis for Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome yeah you're not the first person with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome to tell me exactly that it's oh. <laughs> Well, I, like, I won't repeat, but between like 19 and 25 years, I think is what I is what I read and was told by multiple people. So yeah, like, that's half your life. Like that's, yeah. that's it's it's wild. It's so wild. And like you think about the the amount of damage, or you try not to think about the amount of damage that has happened to you, like between the symptoms and the diagnosis, and it just not getting treated. But yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's. And that's a fuck ton of stuff to do with. <laughs> also, I also love, I wanted to say to the audience, I love what you're, what George is wearing right now. It's a very like, are you into vintage like cosplay, vintage like vintage wear? I mean, I love a bit of vintage. Yeah, definitely. I'm also like embracing my mask side a bit more. So. Oh, nice. Cause I was, I wasn't sure if that was like a non-binary choice or if that was like a, a, a vintage um clothing choice because I watch a lot of like vintage sewing channels because they they're weirdly calming and I enjoy it it's weird oh wow but you know so I saw what you were wearing and I was like I wonder if George um is into vintage because I, I like that stuff and, and you're British so that would just be very <laughs> fitting yes, yes. yeah I, I love vintage stuff I think you know like a nice classic kind of style for both decor and like clothing is yeah it's yeah very, not always comfortable but <laughs> <laughs> yeah um speaking of clothing and Alice Danlos syndrome because we don't talk about that so much what kind of like you mentioned earlier like I see your I see your brace I see your splint I see your sling that you're in right that's what it is um, um I just got tape on today because like ironically if I have my sling on like I will injure other parts of myself I yeah oh so the yeah. <laughs> so my question was though like what in terms of fashion for you with EDS and pots and ME and all the things, what what is like your favorite thing to wear? Um, at home, it's just like joggers and, and loose t-shirts. Yeah, me too. Just like <laughs> the most comfortable of clothing. Um, yeah. And I hate buttons. Like buttons are just the devils. Oh, uh, any kind of like thing that I have to unclasp or like, I have no <laughs> dexterity. I have... I can't even masturbate. How do you think I'm going to touch a button? Like, <laughs> like come on, come on. Um, so yeah, loose clothing is my, is my favorite. Um, yep. So we talked a little bit about on the air and I talked about a second ago about how we are both they, them. I'd love to, or I am he, I am they, he, it's, it, it changes with my feelings. I mean, but yeah, it should. <laughs> I am they, he, and you're they, them. Can you explain to me how, your, I'm so fascinated by how veinous um, correlates with disability and how those two things are so often intertwined. And for me, like I've said this a bunch on my social media, my veinous is connected to my disability because I often don't feel, feel safe or comfortable in queer male spaces. And I don't feel like I fit hmm. a queer male aesthetic and I never really will. And 
people don't quite know how to navigate the fact that I'm a disabled person. So saying they feels like, oh, I can be whatever the fuck I want because it doesn't, I'm not connected to that. So how does that, how does disability impact your sense of they-ness? That, that's, I mean, it's such a, an interesting link to explore. And I think, um, I think first off, like as soon as you're uh, like openly disabled, <laughs> which I'm going to say, cause like sometimes I'm invisibly disabled, but as soon as like you have to like, um, disclose yeah disclose or like you you know use a I use a walking stick um most of the time um and like everybody you meet is like oh what happened and then you have to explain so I think as soon as you're like disabled and people can see it um you begin to give less of a fuck about fitting into boxes that society creates yeah um, and so it gives you freedom to explore your sexuality and your your gender and and like um yeah I have never really felt like a woman I've never really felt female and so I um I, I had a random hookup <laughs> who, who, who was non-binary and we kind of like um we had a really great time and then we stayed up really late like talking about gender and being genderqueer and stuff and I was like oh my god this this is really cool and then you know I just <laughs> it all kind of fit together. I was like, holy shit, as a kid, like I used to dress up in my dad's suits and shirts and stuff. And like, I'd always, <laughs> you know, and I'd be like the first one in, in theater to be like, I'll play the male part, I'll play the male part. And then, um, yeah, bit by bit, just like getting to create who you are and how you express yourself and what specifically sexy like means to you. I think um, being gender fluid or being gender queer just enables you to have such a, a broad scope of, of what that means it's not an interpretation of like I am a man I am a woman it's like I am fucking everything look at me yeah one of my favorite things I don't know if you watch Bob's Burgers but it's one of my favorite shows and I love it when when somebody says to Tina they're like oh Tina you're dressed like you're or maybe it's a meme like I don't know I saw it somewhere and it was somebody was like are you a boy or a girl and then the thing is like no no I'm an experience. And I was like, I love that so ah, much. That's yeah, that's amazing. Wow, completely. Um, so how does, like, in other ways, how does your, well, first of all, tell me more about this hookup. Tell me more about this, like, <laughs> life-changing hookup to realize you were a lot my person. Oh, my God. Um, oh, like, well, okay, no. So I, I can't give them full credit for it. I really can't. Um, like, I think it started before that when I went to a, I was going to an event and they had the option on the drop down of your ticket titles of um, Mooks. And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to be Mooks. <laughs> <laughs> and I said it to my my partner at the time and, and he was horrified. He was like, you're already disabled and pansexual. Do you not think that's weird enough? <laughs> and I was like, okay, I will put myself back in the box. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah, and then we broke up and then, and then like suddenly, oh, Who's Oren? Have you got? Oh, I have no one here. It's a three-way, Andrew. Hello. 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 Oh, does this normally? No. Oh. <laughs> Are we gonna be zoom bombed right now by horrible humans? Oh no. Uh okay, I'm gonna Can you beat them out? I don't know what to do here. They just showed up. That's so weird. I've never had this happen. Okay, well this is fun. Let me end this. Okay. Because I don't know who's here and that's terrifying. And I'm going to double check the the password and maybe change it and tell you what it is in a second. I'll okay. come right I'll come right back because okay. that's weird. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hey, so we just had a weird thing happen in the middle of our recording. George and I were recording and we almost got Zoom bombed by <laughs> some people. So we had to stop the recording and we're both like, what do we do now? Will someone else <laughs> show up in our meeting? I don't know. I feel about any of that. Um, uh... <laughs> cool yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when you try to record a podcast in this new covid era where things just happen like that so great that happens. 
I mean, how cool is it that my podcast is so cool, apparently, that it's being Zoom-bombed by weirdos? Exactly, there you go. See, high, high profile. Yeah, apparently I'm a celebrity. It's weird. Okay, but, sorry, George, you were saying that, so you were discovering that you're in your thayness, and you were discovering your non-binaryness, and you ticked a box that said you want to be mux. Yes. And then your partner was my like... My then right. partner, my then partner, like, just totally kind of like freaked out and was like you're already disabled and pansexual that's weird enough like no 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 um and so then but bit by bit I kind of like cut kind of parts of myself off so I could fit into this tiny little box of expectations um and then I left that partner <laughs> smart decision yes good. um and then yeah suddenly it's like well who do you want to be you can create yourself um, from scratch you don't have to adhere to the labels of, of man or woman or straight or gay or um, able or non you know like whatever like there's just so much freedom in being non-binary and I love that yeah and it's something for me as a as a queer disabled person kind of coming into this like I, I remember wanting to use they a long time ago and asking social media and of course social media was like well you're not trans and you're not <laughs> Like you, you can't. And I remember, you know, I remember when Sam Smith came out as they. I, in one of my lesser moments, made fun of him or of them rather, because I was like, I know, I know, it's not a, it was not a good moment, and I'm gonna own up to it because I was, I, you know, was like, well, they're a celebrity, and and they, you know, they're just using it for the clout to like sell an album, and like, like. Do they even know what they're talking about? Like, no. And now that I use they, I'm like, well, that wasn't really cool. <laughs> yeah, I love it when you get those moments of like, God, past me was a was a dick. It was a real <laughs> dick. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you weren't. You weren't. It's such like a challenging kind of like I say new territory, but like obviously it's not new territory. It's just stuff that we're starting to re-shine a spotlight on. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean I love that we're both we're both ladies. Um, I think that's really cool, uh, and I like that. So so, tell me a little bit about one of the things you mentioned in the questionnaire. You want to talk about what it's like dating with an invisible with a bunch of invisible disabilities. Yeah. So what? So let's go there. What's that been like for you? Okay, so um, the first thing I have to say is I am a very bad invisible disabled person because um, I, th I think I heard you use the phrase um, crip fish, like catfish. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck, I feel so seen because I've definitely, um, before, like when I was less disabled, I'm, I'm going to say less disabled, um, and, and it was more variable and I was having some good days and I could kid myself that maybe maybe like I was actually okay and it was in my head and I just needed to have like willpower or painkillers or booze or something to kind of like get through it and I would be fine. Um, I, I definitely didn't declare I am disabled on dating sites or like when I met someone new. And then that's awful because you're like, well, what is the ideal moment to have this conversation with someone? <laughs> and then especially if someone's like bringing up things like kids or and, and you're like oh my god I can't even think about reproducing because what if I pass my genes on and and like or what about my own body's impact will I will I die <laughs> yeah and and there's no good moment there is no good moment to come out as disabled on a first date I can promise you <laughs> <laughs> and I mean I guess it's so much like for me and I, I'm kind of I'm kind of navigating coming out as invisibly disabled too because they know I have CP. They mm -hmm. know I'm a wheelchair user. They know about my vis my visible disabilities. But then I have to say things like, "Hey, so when we're fucking and I'm getting down with you, I might also have to shit immediately. Uh, <laughs> are you prepared for that? Or I might feel I might have to cancel our date because I have the most debilitating shit cramps in the world. Like, how yeah. do you like? Or I might not want. I might not be able to talk to you for three days because I'm a funnel of poo. Like, you know. <laughs> so I understand the the fear of like how do I come out as invisibly disabled yeah it's 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 so terrifying and immediately you feel kind of unsexy because you have this awareness of like kind of who you are and how you're feeling in your body and also maybe how you're presenting yourself to somebody else and this other person is seeing you as as the you that you like want to be for this date you want to be like 
like charismatic and ooh, oh hello you know like like sexy <laughs> and then at the same time you're like my hips just dislocated yeah <laughs> like, completely the opposite of sexy but um yeah I've I've definitely dislocated things during sex and and like covered it up tell me that story go I'm ready <laughs> there's 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 um there's so many I um <laughs> There's, there's the ones where I've been going down on someone and my kneecaps have popped out and, and, you know, you just kind of like, I can, uh, how PC do we have to be on here? We don't have to go on. No, no, you're not go, go. You're like, okay, I can use, I can use like, um, the technique of, of deep throating a bit further while I like use my other hand to reach back around and push my kneecap back in. (laughs) Um, uh, there's jaw dislocations quite frequently um during yeah exactly what you think they're during (laughs) i've heard about that during sex but i i've never had a person with eds on the show kind of kind of give me a step-by-step of like so you're (laughs) you're blowing somebody with a penis i imagine and 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 both like going down on a woman as well like you know you have like um there's a lot of jaw control involved yeah yeah oh i i i can imagine with somebody with a with a vagina can be with can be really like if you if your jaw unhinges when you're right in the middle of that i can imagine okay like what do we do like and it's like i'm picturing you're doing that and all of a sudden your face just contorts like what is what is what is what happens there sometimes the other person notices if they're like really into it if you've got a good connection then they notice which is which is good yeah but yeah I mean like kind of face pulls that's not going to work for the for the podcast but that was just for your pleasure I don't know what I what I saw what I saw audience was George had George is showing me the face that happens when <laughs> their jaw just like hates during oral sex amazing amazing it's yeah. so kind of, it's kind of like zombie-esque like okay <laughs> your face has gone off to the side there and like how do you explain this to how would you George explain this to a partner who might not be ready for that like in the middle of the sex um so um I, I've got good and bad examples of how I have explained it um to people in the past and some people really freak out um some people don't care and as long as they're still getting their pleasure as awful as it sounds, they, they really don't care. Um, and then there's my partner who's just like, oh, are you okay? Do you want to carry on? And if I'm like, yeah, he's like, oh, okay, cool. And it, you know, just, um, it completely depends on the individual, but just explaining this is something that does happen. Um, I'm okay with it. I, you know, I'm expecting it or I know how to deal with it. I think just like anything else. <laughs> Well, it's great that you you have a partner now that is wanting is 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 able to slow down and see what's happening and wants to check in. Yeah, we all talk about how communication is so vital in partnerships, but in those moments where communication and disability collide, which is like every day, all the time, having a partner that understands that and is willing to be there for you to communicate the hard shit about disability and like because. You know, unfortunately, we don't have images of hot people with EDS fucking or hot yeah. people with different disabilities fucking or people with IBS fucking or we don't have those images. So the only image we see is I have to be sexy. I have to be suave. I have to be yeah. completely this person that many of us are not. So it's great that your partner is willing to do a check in with you. Mm, he's he's really fantastic. But I, yeah, I think that's why we need to talk about it more and it's probably why I'm so loud about like disability and sex <laughs> as you should be we need more yeah. people like you <laughs> we just we just need to to talk about it more for sure um and like uh I don't feel like I need to be suave or sexy anymore um and, and cover anything up and that's the biggest change that I've seen in the last like two or three years I think in myself is that I'm just fully embraced like um hey I'm gonna you know have like a really great sex experience with my partner while I'm wearing braces or while I'm wearing a sling even and then we'll incorporate it into um like the sex that we're having yeah 
So my disability isn't left off to the side. It's like it's being brought in and it's being given like a affection and attention and it's part of me and it's part of the experience that we're both sharing. So it's lovely. That's fantastic. I love that. I love that so much for you and for him and for everyone involved in your sex. It's great. That's great. That's amazing. Um, I want to move to something a bit darker because one of the things you mentioned in the questionnaire, and I think it's important that we talk about this, is what it's like to deal with the fact that you're disabled. And sometimes some of us with disabilities, actually a lot of the times, a lot of us with disabilities can enter into abusive relationships. Um, and oftentimes we don't see the signs because we want someone to pay attention to us. So we'll take whatever kind of attention is offered. And so you wanted to talk to me about what it was like navigating your way out of an abusive relationship as a disabled person or in, and what it was like being in that for you. So trigger warning to anybody listening, we are going to talk about abuse here a little bit. It's not an easy conversation, but you know, the whole point of disability after dark was to shine a light on these things. So this is what we're going to do. And George has consented to talk about this. So I continue um, to consent. <laughs> so we're going to do it super delicately, but if you're listening and, and abuse is not something you can handle right now, I would advise that you click off this part of the, the, the interview. But for those who want to say, um, George, however you want to tell me this story, go ahead. Um, so it, um, it, I, I became like rapidly more disabled at this time when I was dating this particular person. Um, and so it was a lot to... It was a lot to handle like emotionally and mentally so I, I basically like I lost my career and I lost my friends and at the same time this person was driving a wedge between me and my family me and my friendships um so I became very quickly very isolated um and I think in a, in a situation like that which a lot of disabled people like find themselves in where you're isolated and where you're like really terrified and where you have like one person that is maybe kind of offering you a lifeline genuine or not you tend to cling to it and you tend yeah. to not want to believe that anything um bad is is happening because like psychologically you just can't really handle that um and so all those red flags and all those terrible things that are happening you kind of like you know say Dismiss. Oh, it's totally fine <laughs> yeah 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 so um so I was kind of trapped in that cycle for a a good long while and I think the gaslighting particularly was something which kept me from reaching out um and he'd call me stuff like cripple and um be very <laughs> very abusive verbally as well as physically um so yeah you, you he cultivated a sense of self-worth which meant that um trying to access any help was pretty much impossible well, I'm so sorry that you experienced that. And I'm so sorry that, that you had a partner that, first of all, use cripple as a pejorative because I use it as something that is a powerhouse for me. And I'm like, so, so you know, how would he use that word to demean you? Um, so, for instance, like, uh me wanting to go out and actually leave the flat I couldn't really leave the flat by myself at this point um the, the few times that I did I I would end up in like really bad situations where I just couldn't get myself home um and so I'd say like oh we could go and do this and he said um I don't want to go anywhere with a fucking cripple what what makes you think I'd want to go out with a fucking cripple and, yeah was this the same person that told you that you couldn't be non-binary no, this is a different one. I've had a whole string of assholes. <laughs> I'm doing so much better now. Oh, wow. You really sorry that that men are toxic. Hashtag not all men. <laughs> I mean, I mean, wow, you've been through it. Like, I can't imagine somebody telling me that I would don't want to go somewhere with a fucking cripple. Like, I'd say, fuck you. I'm walking out. Like, no. If I could have walked out at that point, I probably would have done, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, I understand, like, you know, so many of us are trapped in those situations and they, those individuals will groom people to stay. Yeah. And so what was it like? When when did you decide, like, fuck this, I'm leaving. I'm, I'm got to put my way out. Um, I, so I, I think 
I need to preface that with the the reason that I found it one of the reasons I found it so hard to leave was because as I said like I, I'd lost my career I'd lost my dreams of like wanting to do all these amazing things the only thing I had left was my um little bit of independence which was my flat which he had obviously moved into um and so the idea of having to leave my flat to leave my like my tiny shred of independence was yeah so overwhelming um and then one day I had a um, a friend over and then they kind of saw how scared I was. Um, and and um, and they were like, this really isn't okay. And suddenly all the excuses kind of went out the window. And um, I had this voice in my head saying like, two years is too long, two years is too long. Look at this person, they call you a cripple. They literally like throw you around. They try and say that you're into like all of this horrendous like, um, stuff that you don't want to do that they're making you do and and then at the same time like trying to get like carers benefits and do all these like fraudulent shady yeah wow any fucking care i can promise you that Uh, (laughs) wow oh wow yeah um so yeah so i think at that point i um i just got on a train i just packed a rucksack and like i took loads of painkillers so i could get and i just got on a train and went to my parents house well fucking hell good for you like that's first of all how dare he try to claim care's benefits fuck right off those are not those are not for you first of all and i I know from speaking to other people who live in the uk they're pittance they're not enough for anybody anyway and like how no you don't get to have those fuck right up no so (laughs) i'm i'm very happy for you you um you removed yourself situation as best you could and I'm, I'm thankful for your friend that saw what was happening and was like you, this is not good you gotta get out of here so uh, how, but how do you feel about the word crimple now like how does is there some residual like upset with that word because it was used so horribly against you no I think I think it's a lot like the word cunt oh I you're Amer- you're American well yeah no uh, yeah American audiences might not like <laughs> like that word I've realized <laughs> sorry um but yeah it's like it's definitely a time of endearment I I met a disabled woman not long after and we were very open with calling each other like like all these terrible pejorative words <laughs> that you can just reclaim it's like queer you can just reclaim it and suddenly you have the power it's it's all about the intention yeah exactly so like you know I've said this a bunch of the time and my mom when she was raising me and was growing up with me and learning about disability, they used the words special needs. So, you know, and I know how many people are like, that those, those words feel uncomfortable. But what I do now with language is I listen to how it's, in, how it's used. And if it's not used in a way that's malicious, and if it's not used in a way that's gonna hurt me, I try to just, okay, what is the stuff around what they're saying? What are they, what are they saying? Is it gonna yeah. hurt me? Are they trying to hurt me? No, then I'm gonna let it, go because yeah. I'm not like there's no point in pushing it so like it's really cool that you like so what other disability language since you've kind of since you got since you got to play with the language around disability what other language do you like around disability um I I have to bring this up yeah owning the word disabled is is like something I'm so comfortable with and people get really weird about it. Like um, the amount of people that have said to me, oh, you're not disabled, you're so pretty. And I'm like, what the fuck? I mean, <laughs> I mean. Disabled not... people are hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly, I, I know, I made it, I know. Um, I don't know how, I don't know how you, what language you wanna to use to like describe pretty. I don't know how you feel about that because of the non-binariness. So I'll say you're hot. I'll say you're attractive, very, very much so. But I don't know. I don't know if I would use pretty because I don't know how. Like you said, you're trying to do more of a mask. Thing. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I love to play mm-hmm. with it. Um, like things like pretty and cute and ladylike. Ladylike is one that like my mum will always say like that behavior isn't ladylike or you don't look very ladylike. And I, I like it's such a trigger like it really makes me so mad <laughs> and does your mom know you're non-binary uh yeah she does and bless her she went and she watched like some documentaries and stuff oh yay <laughs> yeah yeah from um coming out as 
what I thought was uh, yeah bi at the time when I was a teenager and they were both kind of like a bit well very uncomfortable about it um, so now coming out as like pansexual and non-binary and she's so supportive it's incredible um, but yeah she was someone that struggled with the word disabled and <laughs> and I think now she's she's okay with it but it's weird over here I don't know I had this literally two days ago we were talking about um, the future of accessibility and how a lot of disabled people over here are like oh my god things are starting to starting to open back up accessibility hasn't really been considered we're maybe going to lose like a lot of the progression that we've made yeah so we're talking about like the cool future stuff and this guy just goes oh I can't wait for a day in the future when we don't even use the word disabled I was like ew why, why? Yeah. who are you yeah <laughs> like I'd love to unpack but I'd love to sit with that that bloke and be like why tell me like give me a, run it down for me write me an essay on why yeah and then I'll tell you why your essay is crap and we'll start from the, <laughs> like no, I'm so curious, like, why do people do that? Yeah, it's it's so gross. And it's this, like, preconceived notion that disabled people are, it's the infantilization that, like, I always say, disabled people are infantilized or we're, we're fetishized. And and there's, like, very little in between. In between. Um, yeah. And so it's this idea that we're just, we're not sexy. We're not, like, these inherently gorgeous human beings that, that we are. I mean, yes, we are. We're gorgeous gimps. Of course we are. Like, well, <laughs> Do people not realize this? Like, I know. Um, one of the things in the questionnaire that you wanted to chat about that I think is really important to talk about is when we move in with a partner in the UK, Canada, Australia, and the and the US too, I think. But when you move in with a partner, you will lose some of your disability benefits. And a lot of people don't know these are these are policies around the world which impact our view on marriage equality. And I've written a lot about it. I've talked a lot about it. I've done a lot of things about it. Um, and I'd love to hear how this impacts you and how you feel about this. Um, it makes me it makes me absolutely furious. Again, it's sorry, I'm freezing. <laughs> um, it's it's going again into the infantilization of people with disabilities, and it's also for for women who are disabled to have to like a straight woman or oh, uh, hang on let me get my words right it it buys so much into patriarchal nonsense <laughs> right and yeah. i think this is one of the reasons that i really had to embrace being genderqueer is because i couldn't get my head around that if i love someone and i move in with them i'm then going to financially not be like is independent or there's some kind of like reliance that I then have to put on them. And that's just so upsetting. That, that breeds resentment. That breeds like, how can you maintain a relationship if they're literally supporting you? Because the government now says you can't support yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So because um, you dared to fall in love with somebody and you want to have <laughs> some semblance of like a relationship with the person like that. I just find it so disturbing that these policies are all over the world and they're, most people don't know about them. So when we talk about marriage equality, we never talk about this. Yeah, exactly. And it, it should be something I'm so um, happy that people that you are bringing it up and being really loud about it. And like on Twitter, I love my Twitter feed. My Twitter feed is like this really safe space where people are just like, there's no marriage equality in, until there's disabled uh, marriage equality, you know? Um, and yeah, it's it's really upsetting. It's, um, it's ableist, it's sexist, it's pushing feminism back by like a hundred years at least just, yeah exactly and like this is one of the math, uh, probably the biggest issues that um myself and my partner had to discuss when it came to um talking about moving in we really wanted to move in together and i just couldn't mentally get over this um notion of losing losing my benefits yeah no of course because it's like it's like and for you being having that you've been in a you've been in abusive relationships before you were yeah. like well if i if i go to this then like what if something happens where a relationship deteriorates then i am technically reliant on this person again and we all know that getting back on benefits can be a fucking like <sighs> if you if you lose them and then you break up it probably i'm assuming it takes a few months yeah. or longer to prove to the government that you're still disabled and you still need benefits so like exactly 
it, was... it, can, it can be that like you you end up in the situation where you're I don't know worst case scenario for me going through my head was I could end up in a, an abusive relationship again and then I'm stuck and I have no money and then it's going to take me months to get back on my feet and you have no idea how it's going to work out luckily my partner spotted this and he went I know your history is this what you're going through and I was like yeah and he was like okay well that's cool how about you just have like a, a little pot of savings and uh how about we just keep talking about things and uh <laughs> and yeah it was just so cool about it what was that conversation with like because I've never been in a relationship. I probably never will be because men are trash. Um, but, <laughs> but like, you know, what has that been like for you? What was that conversation like with him to be like, how did like, because we talk about coming out, but I can imagine coming out with this truth is even scarier than sometimes coming out as non-binary or sometimes coming out as disabled. Because how do you tell somebody that like, if we do this, you have to support me. Like, how do yeah. you even start that conversation? And how did that go for you? It's um, it's a conversation we haven't had just once. It's one that we've had many times and not because of anything on his part. It's all been um, how I'm processing it mentally and emotionally. And I keep kind of checking in and saying like, hey, is, is, it, is it still okay that, you know, like you financially support me? Do you want me to go and like sell my underwear online <laughs> or something? <laughs> um, um, but yeah, the the original conversation. You're right. It's terrifying. It's it's way harder than coming out as non-binary or, or disabled, or it was for me anyway. Because it's like um, uh, you have an I had an identity which is very firmly rooted in um, feminism and independence, and to say I am essentially kind of like stepping back into a role where I will be reliant on you is really scary. It's a big leap of faith. Yeah. And one of the one of the things you mentioned in the questionnaire was that, you know, what does it feel like for you being with an able bodied partner um, who who makes a lot more than you do? Like, oh, God. Like, like I can imagine there's some even though you love him and even though he seems like a great human, from what you said, <laughs> like I can imagine there's a little bit of resentment there and there's a little bit of like, mm, you know, this feels like how does that feel for you as a disabled person? Um, because I'm extremely mature, there's no resentment. <laughs> lies, liar, fucking lies. No, he's he's amazing, and I do love him. But I'm like, how the fuck can you just like earn so much money? Like, and he's not even, you know, like the 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 you know, able-bodied people earn so much money, and I just can't get my head around it. Like, me even too. Yep, fully like, understand this. It's mind blowing. Like. Yeah. 20 grand a year, 40 grand a year. See, like, <laughs> what is that? I don't know what yeah. that is. Exactly. I make do on like meager pretend money for it. Like, you know, <laughs> I make do on like a thousand a month, maybe less. So yeah. it's like, what do you mean you have 40 grand you can play with or 80 grand or like a hundred yeah. grand a year? What is, what is that? I don't know. It's, it's so wild. And then being disabled is really expensive. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, so it's not like, um, hey, um, uh, you're going to have to financially support me. It's, hey, you're going to have to financially support me. And also, you're going to have to help me pay for, like, the medical things I need or the health things I need that relate to my disability. <laughs> so it's... And so how does he, like, what is his response when you come to him with all these, like, hey, this is what... Like, <laughs> is, it a, is it a learning process for him or is he... I think I was very um, upfront with stuff like as soon as as soon as kind of we broached disability and stuff, um, I was very upfront with all of these things. And so uh, I think even I was I was a bit like, um, you can you can back out of the relationship now. Uh, like it's okay, just go, just just you're fine. And oh, I I hate how to say people do that in all the relationships. We give people like so many outs because yeah. we're like, if I give you an out then I don't have to deal with the ableism and then my self-fulfilling prophecy of I'll be alone will come true and I can just deal with that and I'll be fine. Yeah. So like, oh, that's, just, just, that's just so hard and frustrating because we all do it so many times. It is, but the thing is, you wouldn't do it if your partner was disabled. You wouldn't be like, well, yeah, I'm going to cut and run. It's, it's only how you view, it's only how we view ourselves. Like, if my partner came to me and said, I need this and I need this, I'd be like, well, yeah, obviously, because I love you. But because it's me, I'm like, I'm not worth it. Just go, just run. Yeah, just leave. Find somebody better. I'm not worth it. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah um but no he's he's been really good and he's like well you know um I I wanted to get a house I need somewhere to live so like I might as well I might as well get to live there with you right and I'm like oh okay yeah that makes sense <laughs> and he's like well um I really want to be happy and I'm really happy with you so um yeah like I guess it doesn't really make a difference if I have to pay you know a bit extra a few bit of extra money there wow who is this prince and how do I get to know him oh oh my god he's he's so lovely and yeah you can meet him anytime I would love to he sounds great (laughs) um I want because we used to be a sex podcast we're an everything podcast now but I'd love to know a little bit about like if you're comfy what your sex life as an as a non-binary disabled person has been like with your partner it's been wonderful uh so my partner hopefully won't mind me saying I don't think you'll mind me saying he's he's um I think when we first met he described himself as straight and then he's like apart from all the guys I've had sex with and I was like okay oh. <laughs> so on the latest sense, so my number is 437 <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. I see I see um yeah on the latest like census he put down that he's pansexual as well so I was like I think that's more fitting so we have um we have very like large loose boundaries not boundaries boundaries are fucking great and they're always in place and continued consent but um just the scope of things that we experiment with and explore with each other is so wonderful and how does can you give me an example of how your disability plays into a certain thing you do like give me like a sexy like like moment where disability is celebrated in the bedroom versus like oh no my jaw popped out but like (laughs) you know something hot that you were ready for um so um uh i think uh, bondage is such a wonderful um tool to employ so there are days when like i as i've said to you i am so fatigued i can't move but i'm still horny like the horniness doesn't go away magically (laughs) it's like there's like various bits of battery power allocated to systems in my body and there's a horniness battery that just like is constantly on which is (laughs) oh me too me too and i haven't i haven't sucked a dick in 16 months and i (gasps) andrew that's too long i know thank you global (laughs) pandemic i know I really hope that, that that changes for you soon. Me too. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to um, back to bondage. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, like my uh, my my partner is just super understanding as always, and he's like, "Well, okay, I'm going to physically restrain you, so you can't possibly move." And he does it in ways like we've learned ways of tying so that it'll um, support my joints. Oh, great! So it's a totally EDS accessible like. Completely EDS accessible. So I won't dislocate during sex. I can't move. Um, and and like, um, it's just really hot and sexy because like I get like all the pleasure <laughs> and none of the risk of, of like injuring myself. Um, and there's also that permission to um, relax. Yeah. Yeah. So like um, the, the pressure really helps, the restraint really helps. And then like um, playing with, um, like touch sensitivity and pressure and stuff it just helps your anxious brain like disengage just relax like, yeah exactly and as well like the pain response so I mean I'm in pain like like all the time <laughs> 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 and, and using sex is like this mindful experience where you um your your partner kind of like um does something and so it focuses your attention in uh, in onto one area of your body so actually you start to kind of have those pain responses calm down because your mind is focused just on that one little you know moment <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um well that's amazing and then I'm so glad that you have a partner that only that is also like exploring their sexuality but is also fully aware of your disabilities and doesn't not that he doesn't care, of course he cares, but it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> deter him from having a great time with you and playing around and being kinky and like doing yeah. all of the like so I've we're out of the questions we were gonna talk about. Uh, like this has been such a great conversation. Is there anything else you wanna bring up that we haven't talked about yet today? Um uh disabled people are hot, uh, <laughs> which you say, and I'm gonna just keep repeating because it's true. Um 
no I just I want more conversations about disability and sex I and I, I want the same as you like more representation of sexy disabled people and um people talking about kink and yeah just do it people <laughs> do it well you, you did say you're a writer maybe we maybe you and I could write something together I don't know I don't know oh, I, I don't know maybe we could do that I don't know I would love um, that it'd be so fun we could do like a poems or like I don't know all shit. of it let's do it let's do it. yes yes i'm so there for that um george parker how can the people get a hold of you how can they support you how can they follow you you can follow me on uh oh please wait while my technology boots <laughs> up <laughs> i should have been prepared for this i'm not a professional um, it's fine <laughs> you can follow me on instagram at a underscore g underscore parker and on twitter at amara underscore g underscore parker maybe definitely the instagram one <laughs> amara underscore g parker on twitter i will find both your things and i will sorry i am i'll find both of them i'll make sure then i'll make sure <laughs> i'll make sure they're in the show notes not to worry nobody um uh this was great i loved talking with you thank you for sitting through the weird zoom bombing that we almost went through which is very exciting but uh this is such a fun interview i have no idea when this will air but i loved having you on (laughs) thank you so much for having me i absolutely love talking to you you're you're great no problem and i want to have you back for something so yeah i'm sure people will hear you again Um, all right we'll talk soon thanks george all right take care bye bye all right, friends, that's another episode of Disability After Dark. From me, your disabled daddy, Andrew Gerza. If you want to follow my work, you can follow me on social media, on Instagram and Twitter, at andrewgerza underscore, or you can follow my website, www.andrewgerza.com, to find out more about what I do. And, of course, you can follow us on Patreon to get the show one day early and completely ad-free by going to patreon.com slash disabilityafterdark or you can send us an email to disabilityafterdarkpod at gmail.com and let us know your ideas for an episode, for a minisode, or for a guest spot. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back to shine a bright light on your disabled stories next time. Copyright Notice Disability After Dark was presented, created, and produced by Drew Gerza and Wheels on the Ground Productions. Any and all materials, including graphics, audio recordings, and music, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. Copyright 2020-2021